and welcome to this very special In Conversation episode with you guys, the Shameless Community. It's Christmas Eve and we think there is no better time to reminisce on the year that was, all while hearing your thoughts on everything from your favourite pop culture stories of 2020 to which Shameless interviews have stayed with you the most and what lessons you'll be taking into 2021. We are here with everyone's favourite producer, Mrs. Mrs. actually. (laughs) Shit. Sorry, Christian. (laughs) Miss Annabelle Lee, who will join us in a bit of a roundtable discussion about the year that was. Hello. Grab the champagne or tea if that's more your kind of thing and bask in the nostalgia as we look back at the most bizarre year of our lives. Of everyone's lives, starting with our favourite pop culture stories. Hey guys, it's Molly. Uh, I hope this counts as a pop culture moment, but mine definitely has to be Taylor Swift being an absolute genius. I've loved her from a very, very young age and the fact that she released two albums this year was everything. So I really believe that Taylor Swift saved 2020. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Hey, Shameless. Just wanted to say have a Merry Christmas and thanks for making 2020 so bloody great. My favourite pop culture story of the year was Kim Kardashian's infamous 40th birthday party. As a future healthcare professional and as a nursing student who has spent weeks and weeks swabbing in the community, I have to say I was pretty disappointed in Kim's actions. Now, I binge the Kardashians all the time, recommend them to everyone, have watched every episode maybe three to four times, but I was so disappointed in her actions and it really made me question the role that I have in the Kardashian success. Hey, Zara and Mish. My favourite pop culture story of the year would have to be Rob Pattinson's pasta recipe. That story was so bizarre and so funny and so what I needed at the time. I was doubled over in laughter and listening to the two of you absolutely lose it over the craziness of that story just made it even funnier. Hi guys, um, my favourite pop culture story to come out of 2020 is that uh, Gen Z has created on TikTok a musical version of Ratatouille and it is now going to be turned into a Broadway show in 2021 called Ratatouille the TikTok Musical. God, that TikTok one is such a cracker. I hadn't heard that story. <laughs> How have we not spoken about that on the podcast? That's incredible. Annabelle, let's start with you. Tell me a few, actually give me one to start, your favourite pop culture story of 2020. I have a few. None of mine are really stories. Firstly, just want to give a big shout out to Dua Lipa. I feel like she was a big part of my 2020. What a random way to start this <laughs> not episode. Not at all. She's a brilliant not- <laughs> way to start the episode. She's not a pop culture story at all, but she has been someone that I've listened to throughout the year. I'm still listening to her. Is that embarrassing? Did you know? write a whole newsletter? No, that was Maggie, but I was I was wanting to. Right. Uh, we still have Maggie, <laughs> yeah. so you couldn't. I'm interested, Annabelle, because I feel like Dua Lipa was one of those people that said, fuck off, pandemic 2020, you aren't getting in the way of like my big career year. Exactly. She really made it her own. And then recently she did that like at home online concert thing where yes. she did all the boogieing. It, it was, was awesome. incredible. And it was just like a really uplifting part of my 2020, all things considered. When can this get onto Taylor Swift territory? Because I know <laughs> that we have some Dua Lipa stands, but I'm just here to remind you that no one beated Taylor Swift. What I no one beated. No, 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 oh my God. no one's editing that out. Oh, I'm a little bit sick today. So I'm just on my last legs. No one beat Taylor Swift in 2020. I'm happy for Dua Lipa, but Taylor's my gal. Yeah, that's fair. I think the biggest story, if I'm looking at the the number one story, where were you when you found out story of 2020? Mm. It was when Meghan and Harry released that press release saying we're fucking off the royal yes. family. Yeah. I think I was, it was at the very start of the year. I'm it, was pretty, January, it was January because I was in Byron Bay. I was away, I think I was in Shoal Bay or somewhere. And I remember waking up and just being on holiday with Ollie, my boyfriend, and thinking, I do not have the appropriate person to bounce off yes. with the story breaking. Yeah. I need to get in contact with people. Yeah, no, no one in my family or any of my friends really cared. <laughs> and I was like, guys, come on, this is huge. I just think it said a lot about Meghan and Harry and how strong their relationship was. And I loved it. Yeah. And look at what they've managed in 2020 right in one year they have landed like exclusive podcast deals Netflix deals I love that all these people were so concerned about how they were going to make money or the fact that they would have to use the palaces like I don't know piggy bank to try and fund their lifestyle when in reality 
they are probably making so much more money now that they're out of the palace than when they were in it. Well, I find it interesting. I feel like one of the lines I'm reeling out a lot this year is that will age well or that won't age well because (laughs) I think that a lot of like historical decisions are being made in a year like this one. And I think when it comes to Meghan and Harry, these decisions may not initially be as warmly received perhaps as I think they should be. But Mm. I do think in the grand scheme of, you know, our entire lives, people will look back and think that was absolutely the right call for them Mm. and what they wanted. And considering the amount of people on their teams or in the royal family that would have been going, no, 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 and they managed to still make this decision is huge. And do it. Did they not consult the queen? That's what I was going to (laughs) say. I think that there was like rumblings that it was going to happen, but I think they all thought that they were still in the negotiation phase and then they just went bang, which says to me that they weren't getting what they wanted and you can't really argue with a global press release. It's fucking chaotic and I love it. Imagine it's like quitting without actually consulting your manager and then just being like, I'm done, I'm walking out, yeah. you can't stop me. Do you reckon years down the track they'll bring back the crown for another season to talk about this moment? They, have, yeah, to. they have to. Surely. Could Meghan Markle play Meghan Markle? No, nah, she won't. <laughs> I wish, but she won't. I just don't think she can, but I'd love it. And about what else have you got on your list? I had, again, not a pop culture story. <laughs> so it seems like you haven't listened to the brief at all. But normal people? No, a story, I, I would think, say. Yeah, I think it's not off when a show or movie plucks two people out of relative obscurity and then yes. the world proceeds to just obsess over two actors and Daisy Edgar-Jones and Paul Meskel? Meskel? Meskel. Good point. Neither of us have – and none of us have no. just worked that out. Well, they were two people that I obsessed over for a very long time. Great point. Connell's Chain. Connell's I feel like chain. Connell's Chain has to get a mention in a 2020 rap. That chain completely redefined how I view men and necklaces. Yeah, also good point. I was thinking about Daisy Edgar-Jones the other day because she came up on my Instagram feed she'd won sort of some sort of rising star award and I looked at her following and I'm pretty sure when I first came into contact with her through normal people she had like a few thousand followers Mm -hmm. I say a few thousand maybe like 10 20 30 (laughs) thousand followers and now she's just got like the eyes of the entire world on her which would be a very strange experience I feel like they're both so classy as well yeah classy people they're above us all (laughs) we're all invested in their private lives but they're those kind of celebrities who would never organize a paparazzi shoot they would never try and like obnoxiously put themselves in the public eye they're just above us all they just do beautiful mag shoots I don't know if you guys have seen it but they've I think they've nailed the big magazine spread better Mm. than anyone else this year like Daisy Edgar Jones did this like amazing shoot with Netta Porter Mm. he does like these cool countryside I'm generalizing (laughs) in a massive way right now but that actually now that I'm thinking about it was a huge moment no I think he did one in lockdown and his sister took the photos and it was like oh that's wholesome that is so wholesome that's so Paul (laughs) that is so Paul Mish anything else on your list Tiger King Tiger King I don't think we can get through a wrap of 2020 without touching on Tiger King either. I think Tiger King came along at the perfect time where obviously Netflix, biggest streaming giant in the world, but also the cusp of coronavirus lockdown in what? The US, the UK, Australia. It all coincided and it was like this beautiful explosion where we were all locked in our homes and suddenly you couldn't avoid Tiger King hysteria. Like everyone was creating memes. I think it also coincided with the explosion of TikTok that everyone was remixing that Carol Baskin. Killed her oh, husband, yeah. whacked it. I reckon we probably – you actually didn't do bad then. We should make that into a trend. <laughs> But that was an incredible moment. I watched all of Tiger King and then I rewatched it all with my boyfriend because I'd finally convinced him to get on board. Rewatched it all with my siblings. And it kind of, for me, really marked the change in our lives in March. It feels like a lifetime ago, but I think it played a pretty seminal role in keeping us all sane and all very confused and distracted by the batshit crazy storylines for a certain period of time. Yeah, totally. I feel like 2020 has done a remarkable job at absolutely ruining my like perception of time. I know I've said this on the podcast already, but I actually can't get my head around when things happened this year. And I feel like it used to be a strength of mine. Mm. Anyway, one of my favourite stories of the year would have to be of course, the medley of celebrities (laughs) who sung that fucking... Stupid, stupid. I mean, it's a wonderful song, but it's absolutely ruined. It was so dumb. Mm. As kind of executive produced by Gal Gadot, I saw a rap of pop culture stories in the New York Post this week that said best use of downtime in 2020 obviously goes to Taylor Swift, who Mm. recorded and produced two albums. Worst use of downtime goes to Gal Gadot (laughs) (laughs) for organising what she thought was going to be like this very rousing sort of uniting (laughs) piece of music. And it ended up being... 
one of my favourite, favourite funniest moments of but the year. But they all said yes. That's what's troubling about this. No, so no. many celebrities suck. <laughs> yeah. So many celebrities have no idea on what the average person wants to see on their newsfeed. Unpopular opinion. My greatest fear with a story like this is that if one of your friends did come to you and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing, you don't think about it that much. You think, oh, I've got to do them a favour. You can't really say no, can you? You've got to have a pretty big ego though to not be a singer and be like, yes, my voice, the dulcet tones of me singing Imagine is what will comfort people right now. You know what, Michelle? I reckon you may well one day find yourself in an Imagine (laughs) without even realising it. Australian celebrities do something similar as well. I'm pretty sure a whole bunch of Australian TV personalities sang in their kitchens and put out that video to the world. And again, everyone was like, this is exactly what we don't need right now. I can't move past this segment without giving a shout out to Cardi B and Megan The Stallion mm. for WAP. I feel like WAP was the song of 2020. I feel like when we we're all in lockdown, everyone was like, I need to be unleashed so I can do the WAP dance at a club. I still want to learn it. A few of my friends have learned it and they whip it out when we're all together. It's My fantastic. hips can't move. No. <laughs> no, I wish mine could. No, it's not just my hips that can't move like that. Like nothing can move like that. Annabelle, I'll give you space for one more. Do you have any more? I don't have any more. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, he was I trying to be all generous. Oh, me. I have one more as well, so you go first. All right. Annabelle, you can pick whose pop culture story Ooh, is better yes, between com- Zara and I. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Lockie Gilbert telling two women he loves them oh, in the finale of The Bachelor sad. and then having to reject <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? beloved Are Bella. Are their hearts your jokes? No. <laughs> the Bachelor's the joke, let's mm. be honest. But that was an iconic Australian TV moment. We've talked about all international stories. I That's had to true. bring it back to our homeland. Good point. Mine was the Dominic West, Lily James, Catherine Fitzgerald oh, thing. So two love triangles. Ooh, that was pretty fucked too. They did write on a, a piece of paper that was photocopied <laughs> some sort of weird contract saying their marriage was still strong while she held a tissue in her hand. I did check back in with Dominic West to see how he was going to mm. see if the couple was still together. There were some funny articles about what's up with him. In November, the Daily Mail posted one of the funniest headlines I'll say of this week. <laughs> Talk of the town after Lily James, Dominic West has split dot, dot, dot from his publicist oh, in no. letters. <laughs> and that's how I'm leaving it. Let's roll right on, though, to the next question we asked our listeners, guys, which was, what were your favourite shameless moments? This is what you had to say. So my favourite segment was definitely the part where you were talking about Zac Efron and his normie girlfriend and how you related to your own childhood holidays where you'd kind of have these (laughs) fantasies, I guess, of like going off and like looking out the window and singing this like song and I just found it so hilarious and so relatable and I was like I'm not the only weird child that had some strange fantasy when I was like 11 on a family holiday and it was really nice to hear you guys kind of in that super relatable dorky space as well. Hey Mish and Zara first of all I want to say thank you so much for the podcast this year I only got into it about a year ago and so I spent the first part of this year binging every single episode that I could. My favorite moment of the podcast this year was actually last week's episode when you guys were hungover. I could not stop laughing. I thought you guys were hilarious. And I request that you do more episodes hungover. It was very entertaining. So thank you very much. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Hey, Mission Zara, it's Phil here. Thinking about my favorite shameless moment or segment, the, honestly, the first thing that popped into my head was the quick and dirty segment about the Calabasas lobster. Look, I don't even know what to tell you or why I found this so hilarious and so ridiculous, but I would have to say I've gone back and re-listened to that segment about six or seven times because it is just so funny to me, so ridiculous. Well, A, just the concept of Kim K tweeting about this random lobster in the middle of a pandemic but B, just you guys being absolutely unable to move past it just kills me every time. So thank you very much for bringing me so much joy with that segment, but just in general during the pandemic, love your work. Good God, it is wild looking back at how much content we have put out in 2020. I will start on this one, guys. I think my favourite shameless moment, because it took so much behind the scenes and because I was so worried about not being able to pull it off, was giving Zara a birthday present of Tommy Little saying happy birthday and calling you a raging hottie. That actually never stuck and I think it should have. Zara raging hottie McDonald. Shall we play the audio for people just as a little reminder? Here was Tommy Little's birthday message. Zari Raging Hottie, it's Tommy Little here. I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Hope you're having an absolute ripper. Uh, Goon before midday. 
that's always what you can do on your birthday. So get stuck in. I hope this message gets to you. I've tried to send you a lot over the years, but Michelle never seems to pass them on. I don't know why, but maybe bring it up with her. Anyway, much love. Have a great one. That took so much effort. Also, he I... He took an Instagram DM. No, uh, well, I DM'd him. He said yes straight away. I was like, incredible. This is going to be amazing. And then silence ensued. And I was very fearful that I wouldn't get the message. Also, Jocks on Frillo said yes, never got back to me. It was only Tommy Little at the final hurdle, the final moment, came through, got me the birthday message, and I was stoked. Did you have to send a follow-up? Yes, yeah. two. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's embarrassing, but it was worth it. Annabelle, hit me. What have you got on your list? Oh, my favourite shameless segment, I think, is a toss-up between two. The first was the anxiety segment. Yeah, I, I don't remember. <laughs> it was the horse. Yes, isn't that terrible? It was the one where you talked about your past Facebook statuses. Oh. But then oh. also about, you, you, you had a discussion about being a young writer in the media and feeling like you needed to like sell your personal life. Oh, yeah. And I related to that a lot when I worked as an intern. My my very first job working as an intern, I felt like I had to like... Pimp your trauma? Yeah, literally. And I never understood why after these articles were published and I saw my byline next to these articles that I actually didn't feel as satisfied as I thought that yeah. I would. You felt, I, I mean, going back to that, because I had actually forgotten about that episode. There's quite a few that I'd forgotten, if I'm <laughs> going to be honest. But... I remember that feeling of publishing something being younger and actually feeling embarrassed by it, like wanting to hide from it straight away. And as a young journalist, when you have something published, it should be the moment where you're like wanting to share it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Did I tell the story in that episode of the first thing an editor ever tried to put my byline against? I don't think so. The first thing I ever published or I ever wrote that was published online was a story about random objects that people had stuck up their bums. <laughs> <laughs> And then I had to share. Just like repurposing a Reddit thread. I had to share the X-ray images of like people with literally Makona coffee jars. (laughs) Wait, full or empty? I I think they're both bad. Why? I think empty, but I have never ceased imagining how someone gets a coffee jar up their rectum. There was like. Rexona deodorant bottles. There was everything under the sun. And that was the first thing my name went to on the website in my career. And then a couple of months later, once I had like gathered some confidence and worked there for a while, I snuck back into the back end and changed it to just Mamma Mia team. Yeah. Oh, oh that was nice. an absolutely classic trick. Just taking your bile off. I never did off that. Side. Didn't you? <laughs> Sometimes I'd find that someone had put it back on. As well, oh, which out. was always a bit sad. I have to say, Phil called in in that medley before and said that Calabas lobster was one of his favorite yes. segments that also was one of mine and I actually cut part of it it actually does go for ages that calabasas <laughs> story even though it's one quick and dirty story because we couldn't shut the fuck up about the calabasas lobster it, it bleeds into so many parts of the episode I tried to grab the kind of most concise little snippet that I could so that we could all relive it together Number one, Michelle, it wouldn't be a weekend celebrity without something like this. Kim Kardashian found a lobster walking down her street and Twitter can't handle it. That is from Elle. Now, what? no, oh God, we're going to do it for a third time in the first like 20 minutes of this episode. Was it actually a lobster? Because I heard some people say it wasn't a lobster, it was another kind of animal and Kim K clearly didn't know. In fairness, that looks like a lobster to me, but I don't really know the difference between many of the different types of crayfish. So no. I can't I can't pretend to be any kind of animal expert today or herb <laughs> any expert. Day. <laughs> or any expert on anything really, but onwards. So Kim Kardashian wrote, just confused how a lobster is walking on my street in Calabasas. What is happening? This got 403,000 likes. My favourite part of the stories are. I think I know what you're about to say because I've just lost my shit when I read it. <laughs> is someone decided to make a Twitter account for the lobster? And is now <laughs> tweeting from it. It's called Calabasas Lobster. <laughs> His first tweet. <laughs> or she. What the <laughs> WTF? I think I just passed Kim K's house. <laughs> the next one, a thousand likes and I'll bite Kanye. And for the record, the 1,000 likes and I'll bite Kanye tweet got 6.2 thousand likes. So can't wait for that. The lobster has over 4,000 followers at the time of recording. Good on you, Calabasas Lobster. Good on you, Kim Kardashian. I would love to know what the fuck happened here, but I don't even need to. Great story. One of the retweets was quite funny. 2020 can be summed up by the fact the world is ending and Kim K is tweeting about a random lobster in her screen. 
Anyway. Oh my God. Story. That laugh surprised me. I know. <laughs> story number two. Looks like the next royal wedding is off. That is from the cut. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still what? laughing. I'm just talking about a wedding calendar. While you were reading, I kept um, reading the lobster thing and people were like, tell him I say hello. <laughs> and I don't know why this is so funny. Sorry, we're now talking about the royal wedding that was called off. This is yes. from the cut. You care. I don't really care that much. I do care because I seem to always um, tune in to royal weddings no matter who is getting married. So, as we know, or you know what, no judgment, as we may not know, it's all very inclusive here. Princess Beatrice, can you not? <laughs> Sorry, I keep thinking about the lost It's so funny. Why was it on the road? <laughs> oh my God. I'm like sweating. Sorry. Oh, Calabasas loves to reply to her tweet saying, I have just as much right to be here as you, Kim. Anyway, I really. <laughs> Oh, someone's saying it's a crawfish. I can't believe we've never had more trouble getting off a fucking story. Okay, sorry. Ooh, that is the fucking funniest thing ever. Okay, sorry. The royal wedding. It's um, Beatrice or Eugenie? It was the quick and dirty story that just wouldn't die. Like I couldn't stop even for the rest of the episode. I'm pretty sure at the end of that quick and dirty, I brought it up again because as we were talking about other stories, I was scrolling through Calabasas Lobster's Twitter. What is he doing right now? Let me search on Twitter. Is Calabasas Lobster still a thing or did it die back in, what was it? March. March. It was like as the coronavirus pandemic was taking off, I actually think it might have been the last story we recorded in the same room for (laughs) six months. Yeah. I think it happened on my birthday actually. Oh, Oh, what a birthday. Birthday drop. Keep talking, guys. Keep talking. I'm doing some research. There are so many segments like the Calabasas Lobster one though that were giggly and when I'm editing them, I just like can't stop laughing and everyone in my house is like, what the fuck is The account was deleted. No. Why? Probably because someone couldn't be bothered. Oh, now when you type in the name, you know when it just doesn't come up with a hyperlink anymore. It's just a dead. I mean, not the worst thing to happen in 2020. <laughs> what else have you got, Annabelle? I had the internalized misogyny segment. Yeah, honestly, definitely one of my favorites. I think it was one of most people's favorites. A lot of my friends still talk about it to this day, and it's a great combo starter for young women to have. I think. Yeah, I think that was one that we tossed around for a couple of weeks, Zara, and it was yeah. probably the one that took the most research out of any segment we've done this year. I think it was the longest segment as well. It was half yeah. an episode, went for half an hour. I re-listened to it this morning to kind of reminisce and get this snippet, which we'll play now. Zara, another story I have on this actually has to do with me and you in that I have shared on this podcast and in interviews that we've done before that my first impression of you was not a great one and that had nothing to do with you. I found you to be a competitor <laughs> oh and I felt, so, <laughs> I felt so competitive with you from the second we met and we were both interns and we were both kind of vying for the same position within the company and instead of thinking, wow, he's this really intelligent, awesome person, I thought, okay, she's smarter than I am and she is direct enemy number one and I didn't let us be friends for probably six months because I saw you as competition and I hate that like I hate that I did that for so long yeah it is a really interesting example and I remember I mean we've spoken about it so extensively since then like this is hardly a surprise to me let's have a counseling session right now (laughs) no we don't need one but I think it's an incredibly common experience I mean this entire segment is built around that exact idea and that exact experience of yours I think for me, in terms of like a selfish segment, I found this helpful because I always go back to it when I find myself potentially annoyed by someone and I don't know why. I all, I have this almost built in a side of my brain now where I found it's been the most helpful almost for my sense of compassion or empathy moving forward. Yeah, well, I think it's really common, right, between friends to take screenshots of something that's happened on Instagram, send it to a group chat and be like, what do you guys think of this? And Zara, to be transparent, you and I do that a lot. But what we do now after doing that segment is we often then go wait do we feel a certain way about this because it's a reflection of the person or is this entirely about us and nine times out of ten it's fucking about us and it's a really good thing to do when you are doing something like that is to ask yourself the question or ask your friends the question I ask that question to people all the time being like is this my stuff or is this somebody else's and most of the time everyone's like nah this is you mate yeah so it's a really interesting kind of measure I did want to talk a little bit about the Kobe Bryant segment that we did months and months ago. This was well before the pandemic. It was after Kobe Bryant had died. And it was a really hard kind of conversation to navigate because Kobe Bryant had been accused of sexual assault in the past and had settled with that survivor of the alleged assault. And it was a conversation we wanted to have because it was a bit like, well, 
how do you talk about someone who's died who did mean a lot to a lot of people and you Mm. don't want to take that from him but also does have this stain on his legacy like what do you do about that and I remember us sitting in my kitchen at the time Mitch recording that and we were having a conversation because we both knew that you had written that story for the book the last essay of the book talking about a similar experience and you hadn't said anything publicly and I remember before recording that segment saying to you we're definitely going to get messages from people saying don't talk about something you don't have skin in the game in Mm. well my my opinion in that segment for those who haven't listened was that I try wherever I can to push back on the monster rhetoric that any man who assaults sexually assaults a woman is a monster incapable of being reformed that he will forever be evil I guess and I truly don't believe that as someone who has been assaulted and spoken about that publicly I think that's more harmful than it is beneficial for women who have been assaulted because one in five women have been I would hazard a guess that around one in five men have probably assaulted women as well. And therefore, if we push out this idea that rapists are just men lurking in dark alleyways who are incapable of ever becoming better, then we push on the idea that, I don't know, rape isn't an issue happening everywhere all the time that we need to constantly re-examine and talk about. And it was such an interesting thing because I was shaking when we did that segment. Obviously, I knew that my story was going to come out later in the year. But as I was doing this segment, nobody would know that that was my story or that was my history with this topic. And then when we put it out into the world, some of the feedback I got was so difficult and it made me really upset. So many people, or at least it's not so many, but a handful of people, people reached out to say how could you say this as people who have never gone through this yourself I know someone who knows someone who has been raped and I don't think they would like to hear this and it was quite frustrating because I was reading it going no I think if you have experience in this you would agree with me that you want this to be a discussion about what are our brothers doing what are our uncles doing what are our teachers doing what are our best friends doing not what these evil monsters lurking behind shadows are doing. I was infuriated. I actually think that's probably one of the more angry I've been this year because it did spark a lot of discussions behind closed doors between us being like, how much do we possibly have to share of ourselves in order for people to trust our opinions? Mm. And I think it's a really dangerous discourse that we get into. If every single time someone has an opinion, you go back to them and say, you have no fucking skin in this game. You have no idea. Because what you're essentially doing is demanding that they share a part of themselves that is probably very traumatic to do so in order for you to think that their opinion is legitimate. And I think it's a really important lesson for people going forward. Before you send that message, just have a think about the fact that maybe someone isn't telling you all parts of themselves because they don't owe you that. Mm. Particularly when it comes to women in sexual trauma. I think whether it's rape or whether it's another form of trauma, a lot of women have been through something. So I think before you send that message, just think, could they be the one in five? That's a pretty big percentage, 20%. Could they be part of that 20% before I shoot this off? Exactly. And one final moment that I have that's a little bit lighter, if I will, yes, is from January. And I didn't realise this story was from January when we spoke about Jen Aniston and Brad Pitt <gasps> on the podcast. What? Brad Aniston and Annie Pitt. I was, <laughs> yes, Annie Pitt or Brad Aniston, we were joking about what their name was going to be. And I was saying, uh, talking about this huge conflict that I had in my mind about like, I know they probably shouldn't get back together, but why do I even care? Like, why do I want this to happen? I love that we were tossing it around as well, being like, it's going to happen. They're going to get back together. Yeah, it's the nostalgia factor. It's like, oh, I miss them together. And that was a certain point in time that we all loved. Take us back. Yeah. When I was prepping for this segment, I was like, oh, obviously we jumped on that bandwagon because we were all having a hard year. It was coronavirus. Mm. We were looking for distractions. And then I was like, hang on a second. This happened so far before (laughs) that. We're all just fucked up generally looking for distractions. (laughs) Good God, that is so true. I have to give a shout out to the hungover segment or the hungover episode, really. 55 minutes of just hungover pure joy and pain that we recorded a couple of weeks ago. More pain, less joy. (laughs) (laughs) We posted about it on our Instagram and our TikTok, but you literally were giggling so much at one point. You couldn't get your shit together. You had to excuse yourself and go into the bathroom. That has never happened in the history of us doing episodes. The only other notable thing was in 2018 when we had an argument mid-episode and had to pause the recording so we could simmer down. Very different. That is very different. No, this is the first time I've ever taken my headphones off mid-recording and left my seat because it was when you were trying to read that Ellen DeGeneres headline, which obviously was quite serious. She'd I mean, been, she has COVID, so not... She has COVID. And so I said to you, I'm not going to be able to sit here while you're reading this headline. I'll go into the next room. And so I could like hear you reading the headline out from the next room. And I was just like standing in the bathroom rocking. And then I came back 
put my headphones back on and Annabelle had to cut like 10 minutes of audio. It was quite entertaining for me, I must say. (laughs) Before we started, you demanded that I bring you a bagel as well. You're like, please bring me a bagel. We were in struggle street that day, but look, we got through it. We are alive and that is about it for the moments of the year. We have plenty more we want to talk about, including the interviews that resonated with our listeners the most and the lessons and resolutions we're taking into 2021. But first, a word from our sponsor. All right, guys, we've talked about our favorite moments, our favorite pop culture stories, but what about your favorite in conversation episodes? I absolutely loved your conversation you had with Maz Campanella. I thought she was absolutely fantastic. I learned so much from that episode. I recommended it to so many people. They all loved it too. I absolutely love your podcast. I'll be listening to all your episodes next year in 2021. Hi, Mission Zara. I want to tell you about my favorite in conversation episode this year or in isolation as it was called at the time and that was with Julia Gillard. She became prime minister when I was in high school much like you guys and I feel like I knew it was a momentous occasion but I didn't really grasp the impact that it had on Australia or what she was actually like as a leader. Hi Zara and Michelle I just wanted to say that my favorite um, shameless in conversation was Michelle's in conversation and had stayed with me for such a long time. I found this episode was so powerful and I want to thank both of you for sharing so much with the shameless listeners. I'm so grateful for Michelle's honesty and generosity when sharing her stories that made myself and so many other people I know seen and heard and understood. Hello, my favourite podcast. This is Brittany. Just wanted to record this and say thank you for helping me get through what's been a crazy year. Special mention to all your in-conversation guests, especially Hamish and Andy, Dolly Alderton, Jamila Jamil, Aisha D, and when you guys interviewed each other. Hi, Mission Zara. Your podcast has truly been one of the highlights of my year, and I cannot thank you enough for giving us something to look forward to every week in the strange year that was 2020. The In Conversation episode that really stuck with me the most this year would have to be Matt O'Kynes. When you asked him about success and he said, it doesn't matter how nice your house is because you still have to live in your head. That is a quote I will genuinely take with me for the rest of my life. It's so simple and so powerful. The In Convo episode that has probably resonated with me the most this year would be the convo you guys had with Narelle Meadows. In that convo and afterwards and everything about it, I realised that my dreams of working in sport media were really valid and anything is possible if you put in the work to do it. And next year I'm going to be doing a course in sport media and I probably wouldn't have ever realised I could do it without hearing another really influential woman talk about it. We have done a stupid amount of in convos this year. Don't make me count them because I've edited a lot. (laughs) So tell me, Zara, who was your favourite one? Oh God, there are so many. I actually had to go through the entire list because I just feel like my memory is really going somewhere at the moment. (laughs) I think from a selfish standpoint, and I guess opinions are generally quite selfish. Mm. You are thinking about the ones that impacted you the most. First and foremost was the really recent chat we did with Kylie Brown, I think probably because it has caught me in a wobbly moment with Endo anyway. And just having someone sit in front of you and tell a story that you know, perhaps not to the level that she experienced, but you know pretty intimately. I don't know. I kind of had thought that I was over the endo hill and was kind of had a really set way of dealing with it and I knew what to expect all the time. But random curveballs have come and just sitting with her and listening to the fact that that's pretty normal. I don't know. It just does an amazing thing for your sanity, I think, hearing a story like that. So for me, it was that. What about you, Annabelle? In a very, like in a similar but kind of a different sense, Melissa Leong was that for me because she told stories about her childhood and growing up as an Asian Australian that really resonated with me and just hearing that was a nice thing. Yeah. And also because MasterChef was such a huge part of my 2020. <laughs> you are a MasterChef fiend. <laughs> I'm concerned. Remember when she gave me a shout out, guys? Yeah. That was pretty cool. <laughs> How were you when you were editing that? When it oh, came God, in your ears? I lost it. I lost it. It was another moment where people were like, what's going on? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> but you're going to want to hear this. <laughs> I mean, I've got to say Zoe Foster-Blake was a big one for me. I think we had had Zoe Foster-Blake on our bucket list for so long. Zoe doesn't like doing interviews. So I think to be trusted by her in January, I think we sat down to do that chat, maybe early, early Feb. Yeah. That was a big 
thing, I think, for us. Like I know we've interviewed some people with similar profiles to Zoe Foster Blake this year, but I think she was probably the first one in 2020 that we felt like we got a really big name on. And that as an independent podcast and three people who do this from the comfort of their own homes and do it in a quite an ad hoc way compared to the big media networks, that was a big deal. I also think Jamila Jamil was a big deal. Like, of course, the content of those podcasts were great as well. But I think for me personally to feel like these people who I've admired and loved and watched their careers flourish over the last few years, to know that they trusted us with their time and their stories was just monumental. Yeah, Jamila Jamil was such an interesting one because it was a very big kind of stab in the dark and we weren't sure if they would even respond to us, let alone say yes. And God, I think the team rescheduled maybe three or four times. Was and we it? were panicking. By the third time, we're like, this will never happen. Never. We have gotten our hopes up and it will never happen. And they were, it was cancelled like an hour before every single time. Yeah. So, And it was a lot of adrenaline to burn through because you kind of build yourself up to a point where you're like, all right, I'm ready to go. I'm not going to show these nerves. I'm going to fake it till I make it. And then it's like, okay, it's not happening. It's happening tomorrow. And then the same thing would happen. And it's obviously because she's just an incredibly in-demand person. So no shade there at all. I mean, like things obviously came up for her that were far more important than Mm. our podcast. But the fact that she still ended up committing to it anyway meant a whole lot. And I was just so stupidly nervous. Like she was about six minutes late to the recording. Mm. And I know when we're on – when we do these sort of video link podcasts – We usually like are looking at the time the entire time waiting for people to log on. And when it gets to about five minutes, you're like, hmm. You start to panic. Are they coming? But she didn't just come. Like she came so openly and she was so generous and she was so insightful. Like I remember sitting in that interview and shaking, being like, please audio save. Please audio save. Do not let us have another tech nightmare. Because only weeks before we'd interviewed Julia Gillard and had the audio drop out three times and lost an entire file. As soon as we jumped off to Miller Jamil, I remember saying to you, Zara, please save like save the audio, get the audio, get the audio, and then we'll have a phone call because oh, I was yeah. too anxious to even talk <laughs> you were about like, it. Don't call me. I do have a, a little snippet from Jamila Jamil here just to reminisce a bit. I would love to be able to kill the inner bully in all women. Obviously, I would love to also be able to get rid of the outer bully, but I think the truest end goal for this would be to not just destroy the external narrative for women, but to change our inner narrative. You can just like hear her warmth sometimes when I'm editing these I can just like feel the connection that you guys make and it's so nice because I get nervous for you guys too like I'm not there (laughs) I'm like oh my god for example Dolly Alderton was a great one to listen back to and edit because you guys had a rapport and it was really nice to hear yeah it felt like she was actually really great that actually was one of my favorites because what had happened there is Mish and I it was the middle of lockdown and this year I mean full transparency it's been really hard some weeks because not a lot's gone on in the news cycle Mm. like when it's got coronavirus you're trying to think of stories that people are talking about but people are only talking about COVID so Mish and I were getting to like the end of Sunday before we were recording which meant we were trying to take parts of Friday off throughout this year to try and have some sanity and on a Thursday night at 7 p.m we were meant to interview Dolly Alderton and her internet wasn't working so it was rescheduled for Friday night and we were like oh gosh like it was meant to be like our one half day off for like seven days in a row and now we have to work so but part of you're like oh my god it's still amazing that you've got her on but you know like little things like that you're like oh fuck Mm. I just wouldn't mind having a wine and sitting in front of my television and she got on and I remember logging on and having a drink and talking to her and getting out of that interview being like to my boyfriend because we were in the middle of lockdown we hadn't spent any time with anyone else being like that was a much better way to spend my Friday night than any other way it didn't feel like work no and I love in convo episodes like so often I'm nervous particularly if I think the person we're interviewing is super smart I get so nervous and I feel like I'm going to stumble over my words that one was one where I was so anxious and then we sat down with her and I felt like she was a friend I was like I fucking love this person she's amazing I also sorry to change tack a little bit I really did love the interview we did with Ray Johnston she is of course an incredible STEM writer she is incredible in the media space as well and there were quotes that stood out to me about her being an Aboriginal mother that just absolutely gripped me then and have gripped me ever since. When I was going to my health checks when I was pregnant with my son I was asked every single visit how many cigarettes have you had today how much have you had to drink what drugs have you taken and every single time I had to say I'm not smoking I'm not drinking, I don't trade drugs, 
I'm pregnant like every single time. And it was the same people I was talking to every single week. It's like they pull out a different checklist for Aboriginal women. And instead of judging them as the person that's sitting before them, they're judged on what kind of stereotype they've perceived or what kind of stereotype the, the healthcare system has perceived. God, yeah, she's she's an absolute force, Ray Johnston. And that episode has been listened to by so many people, but the feedback we've had has been pretty overwhelming about that one. Also, the interview that we did with Matt O'Kine, I know one of our listeners touched on that interview in our little medley at the top of this segment, but Matt O'Kine was another interview where it was probably one of those days, those long lockdown days that we had it scheduled at the end of the day. I was probably in a mood where I was like, fuck, to be honest, I'd rather just be clocking off if I'm going to be honest. Like I don't want to do another recording because there is something about this job that's so great. It is probably one of the only jobs where you often leave work in a better mood than when you walk in because I'll sometimes walk in. I mean, like all of us and think, God, I don't have the energy for this. Like how am I going to build my energy up to a point where it needs to be at its height. And when I walked off with Matt O'Kine, it was another conversation where I was like, that was so good for my soul. Like, I'm so glad we had that conversation. Yeah. He shared a lot in that conversation, didn't he? That was one of my favorites as well. And also just because he's so funny, (laughs) this is going to sound really dorky. And I don't actually think Matt O'Kine would like me saying this, but you know, when you can hear someone smile and like, it just sounds like they're smiling. You know, what's interesting. My old housemate was saying to me that she loves the Matt and Alex podcast. And I was like, this was when it had just started. And I was like, tell me what's so great about it. And she was like, this sounds weird, but I love Matt O'Kind's laugh. Like I love sort of like the easy nature of the laugh. Is that sort of what you mean? It just continues on. Like it just yeah. feels like it reverberates in the room and it's just so, again, warming to hear yeah. you yeah. guys have a conversation. Both those guys actually, I'm really happy we connected with both of them in 2020. I'm sure a lot of the listeners will know they're like our unofficially official brother podcast now. And both Matt O'Kind and Alex Dyson are two genuinely like – treasures of humans in the industry love them both I just wanted to play Matt O'Kine's quote about success to lead us out of this in convo segment because I think it was one that stuck with a lot of people this year I mean I used to think that success was you know having the most tickets sold and the biggest house and all that sort of stuff the more I'm realizing it it's like doesn't matter how nice your house is because you still have to live in your head and so it just For me, success is being content and the more I'm in this, the more I'm realizing that 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 is completely within me and has nothing to do with anyone else. I used to think that's being successful when I was when I was living in a share house of four of us in Chippendale and the place was a, a dump, you know, it looked like a crack den day in, day out and we were partying all the time and just waking up feeling gross and I used to think oh you know if I can make enough money from comedy to just make a little bit of music on the side I'll just then I'll have made it you know and then that happens and then you know you just want more Mm. and so I'm constantly having to remind myself that I'm successful now and this by by all accounts the material things that I own aside the life that I have and my the people the relationships that I have with my family and my partner and my daughter and my friends as well as having a roof over my head that I like and, you know, food that I enjoy, by all accounts, I'm successful. And last but not least, guys, Mish, you and I sat down on the mics last week and spoke about all of the things that we felt we were grateful for and had learnt this year. So we thought, what better way to bring you into the episode than to ask you what you've learnt this year? Hi, Zara and Michelle. My name's Magenta and I'm from Sydney. And I think this year we all learnt that it It's quality over quantity when it comes to who you surround yourself with. Um, I think the virus that shan't be named really highlighted the fact that it doesn't matter how many people you have in your close circle, it's how they treat you and how you treat them and the people that check in on you and, you know, like to make sure that you're okay are the ones that you need to keep around to hear from you next year. Bye. Hi guys, I'm sure you've had a lot of people say this already, but the main thing I learnt for 2020 is that my name has always been pronounced with a Melbourneian accent. People call me Ella, I always call myself Ella, but what I realised after last week's episode is that it should be pronounced as Ella. Anyway, thank you so much for everything you guys do and have a Merry Christmas. Hi Mission Zara, my name is Anara and I'm new listening to the podcast this year. This year I learned a lot about friendship 
your book, The Space in Between, helped me realise a lot about toxic friendships. And earlier this year, I did happen to distance myself from some people. I think the book made me realise that those friendships were just not good for me and I just naturally distanced myself from that. What I learnt in 2020 is my relatively normal mother is a conspiracy theorist, like full-blown conspiracy theorist. When the fuck did that happen? I think the biggest thing that I have learnt in 2020 is how to be single, but mostly how to be single and to enjoy it and to enjoy that time to get to know back myself, to figure out I need to love myself before others do and just know that although 2020 has been a horrible year, it has been a big time for reflection and a big time to celebrate the solidarity of the women in my life. So what are we thinking, Annabelle? Obviously, Zara and I spoke about what we've learned from 2020. Tell us what you've learned from 2020 and then we'll all have a discussion about maybe like our news resolutions, our New Year's focuses, but we'll start with you. I think I've learned a few things. I've been as we all have been, alone with my thoughts quite a bit this year. <laughs> a, a dangerous thing for all of us. <laughs> but I think, strangely enough, spending quality time with my loved ones, because I did get to do that. I was lucky enough and privileged enough to get to do that this year already. I lived with my best friend. I could see my boyfriend. I lived right next door to my sister. We could go for walks and everything. But it just kind of made me want those moments more with the family members that I didn't get to see and also the family members that I've been seeing as well. Yeah, that's so fair. I think that's. I think a lot of people are feeling like that. I mean, you're hearing a lot of conversations being like, 2020 has taught me a lot and I'm going to kind of like rejig my priorities for next year. Mm. I still think people probably will. Like, I don't think it's just like a meaningless thing to say I mean it's it's one of those things we have in particular been locked in our houses for a long time and I think that does make you think a lot about how you want to spend your time right Mm, I think it's given me a new appreciation of like changes of scenery I think being stuck in the one space for so long made me realize like wow the next time I get to go on a holiday yeah I really have to soak it in I really have to appreciate every moment because holidays are such a privilege financial privilege obviously but also freedom of movement is a privilege and for me to be able to go up north or go to the coast and spend time in a different location is so wonderful and I just hope I'm I'm expecting to go on a holiday in a couple of weeks I'm going to touch wood because we do live in Australia and God knows what's <laughs> going to happen with coronavirus but I am planning on a holiday in Queensland and if that goes ahead I just want to be in the moment I just want to be able to read my book and appreciate every second of that holiday because obviously we had a lot of holidays stripped away from us this year yeah so with that in mind it makes me think a lot about the fact that I spend too much time on my phone and I know that sounds like a very basic thing to say and perhaps I've said it you know in passing before but I've never felt it to such a deep level like I don't want to be spending time on Instagram over summer. So for that reason, I'm going to be deleting the app, all my social media apps and seeing if I can get through the next three and a half weeks. You are so excited to delete Instagram. I really, do I have to delete it at the end of today? Like today's, it's Wednesday afternoon. It's our last day of work. You don't have to do anything. I'm just, I'm just trying to work out when the enforced ban starts. (laughs) But it is something where I'm like, why do I do this? Like, why do I live so much in a world that actually isn't real? Mm. Like it's not actually real. What is real are the things around me. And it's taking all my energy and my time and often my peace. There's that great Instagram quote floating around at the moment. That's <laughs> I like, love that you're talking about Instagram, but then you're going to quote <laughs> oh something God, about that Instagram. Is so true. Fuck. Did you see it on Instagram? Yeah. It was like one of those like pretty quotes. So it was it like a quotes by Christy, which was like anything that I'm going to absolutely butcher this. It's like anything that costs you your peace is too expensive. And I'm like, this does cost me my peace. It makes me anxious. I spend too much time on it. I'm not present. Why do I do it? So I will be off Instagram because I want to be more of a yes person next year. I mean, to be honest, I am a pretty big yes person anyway. But out of work, I don't want to find things too hard. Like I don't want to struggle to find space to take a holiday or struggle to find time and energy to go to an event or see my friends. Like, you know, carpe diem, et cetera. Oh, that's beautiful. Get a tattooed on your wrist. I also have here that, you know, when restrictions eased a lot in November, like we could go out and have dinner with our friends and stuff. I was also in the middle of SWAT back at the time for uni. An exam period was hitting and I felt so overwhelmed with like wanting to do all these social things, but also wanting to stay on top of work and uni. And so I was scheduling every day with all of these activities and I didn't really make time for myself ever. So I want to do that next year because I love reading. This year I found that reading has been a way for me to just like relax and calm my brain and I still want to keep doing that listening to 
music, Dua Lipa in particular, <laughs> hey, re- hey. release a new album, Dua. <laughs> Dua, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Dua. But yeah, I still want to make time for myself because I do have control over these things if I just, you know, make time for it. Yeah, it's that sense of calm that I think a lot of people haven't had for a while. Mm, I think I want to, I mean, this is one small, very specific example, but one thing that I loved about 2020 was going to the dog park with my puppy and I think I enjoy that time because you're literally in fresh air. I'm always with my partner. My dog's always running around and causing an absolute ruckus. So it means I'm not on my phone. And I think when I say I want to spend more time at the dog park, I mean literally, yes, at the dog park, but in general, like I want to embrace that like more pure. So the dog park is a <laughs> metaphor. What a way to go out. <laughs> with a dog park metaphor. Yeah, I probably could have done better. But I mean like <laughs> I just want to be present. Like I want to be present with my partner. I want to be present for the wholesome moments with my niece, with my dog, with my family, with my friends. I feel like this line of work, I absolutely fucking adore it. And I see myself doing it for so, so long into the future. But this line of work is so tied to technology. And when technology infiltrates every corner of your life, it can be so hard to switch off. And I'm the same as you, Zara. I won't be deleting Instagram because I fucking love Instagram and it does bring me joy. And I also need someone to be texting me the random things that are going on. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I'll keep you updated on Quotes by Christy over the break. But I do just want to be present. I want to enjoy these three weeks off that we now have. And just get like a the vitality back because I feel like I'm crawling to the end of 2020 and I just need to burst into the new year with a new lease on life. This will be funny. As I said last week and as perhaps I'll always say, watch this space to see whether we actually do any of the things <laughs> that we promised to do. But I think that's all we've got time for, guys. Yay. Thank you so much for listening to our last official episode of 2020. We are so grateful for your ongoing support this year. It was a weird year. We had probably a million more technological nightmares than we ever even mentioned in this episode. Sometimes it took a lot to get these episodes <laughs> up, but we did it and we are so lucky to have been able to do it by all your sides. We will still be releasing content over the break. Yes, I know we've made it out like this is the last episode, but we lied a little bit. There is an entire summer series of In Conversation episodes that we will be dropping every week until we are back. We will be back with normal programming on January 18, but until then you will have a heap of In Conversation content to keep you occupied. Also, our book club episode is going live on Saturday, so that one is coming too. Thanks so much, team. If you want to support the show while we are off, please click subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify. Otherwise, you'll find us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! We've said it about a million times, but yes, Merry Bloody Christmas. We'll be back properly in your ears on Jan 18. Love ya. See ya. Bye. (laughs) We need like a catchphrase. Say hi to your mum for me. (laughs) Watch this fucking space. (laughs) Bye. Oh, hi, it's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week now. Every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.